Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. We're back. Extra time with Liam Horobin is back on your radios youtube we're on youtube now too these full episodes go on youtube so we're either on one of those maybe just in your car in general i don't know but either way welcome to extra time with me liam horbin presented by betway 19 plus ontario only please bet responsibly you think that would have that nailed down by now but i haven't quite grasped the whole the whole thing but we got a light today we upgraded my studio a little bit and i got this light and I'm trying to figure out what the best light is for me. I think it's because my camera's kind of shit, to be honest. If I have to be fully transparent. Who knows? I'm going to move it, though. One second. I think somehow my lighting might be better when I don't have a light on. Nah, that's not true. Either way, welcome to Extra Time with me, Liam Horobin. Today, I was going to... I recorded this podcast this morning, and then I... Was doing it and I was like scrolling through my phone. I just thought there's so much going on right now. It's very difficult to give a, uh, an answer to some of the questions I've been asked of like, where's rice going? Like, what the what's the deal with Kai Havertz? All these players go to the Saudi Arabian Premier League. So I thought, okay, I'm going to sit down on this Thursday night, a lovely Thursday night in Edmonton. We have had so much rain recently. It's been... It has been bonkers, to say the least. I haven't seen that much rain since I lived in England, which is just known to piss it down all the time. So I'm glad that's out the way. Although, it, I won't lie, it was nice watching the the US Open while I was just staying at home while it rained. It was quite delightful. Great win by uh, Wyndham Clark, I believe his name was. I was cheering for Rory. But Rory couldn't get it done in a major again, shockingly. Another thing that wasn't shocking at all was the fact Ricky Fowler blew it. What was his record? He had the most bo- uh, most birdies in a U.S. Open, yet still lost. Kind of wild. So there you go. What else happened in the sports world quickly before we get into football? Formula One was in Canada. That was also brutal. Formula One's kind of gone down the drain a little bit. I love it. I love the dra- the drivers. I love Drive to Survive. I love the interviews and all that kind of stuff. But you watch the race and it's like, ah. Is this really worth it? You just know Max Verstappen's going to win by 20, 30 seconds almost every race. Fernando Alonso is a fantastic story. The th- fact he's been able to to become a champion driver again. I hope he, he gets some wins this season, even though I think, what are we, however many races in, the only people to win are, are Verstappen and Checo. 
It's just been it's just been bad. The ghastly thing hasn't worked out too well. Alpine, Alpine, whatever they're called. Stroll looks brutal. Aston Martin, Alex Albon, though, what a racer. Alex Albon has had a an amazing season with Williams. I think whenever his contract's up, if it's this year, next year, he is he's gonna get a nice ticket somewhere. They all get good tickets, but they'll get a good ticket to actually a good team in Formula One. One other thing that started the other day, I believe it would have started on Wednesday, was the Euro Under-21 Championships in Georgia and Romania. So there's there's not as many teams in, in this Euros as there is in the, in the, like, the full-on men's European Championships. There's four groups. So I'll run them through them quickly for you all so you all know who's, who's on them. So actually... Depending on where you're listening to this, you can you can watch these games on UEFA TV, which is free. So all you have to do is make an account, and uh, I can get it through my Roku. If you have a Roku or an Apple TV, it can be an app on your television. You download it, you get it. The games are if you're in if you're in the Mountain Time Zone, just to give you an idea, you can maneuver it from wherever there. But 10 a.m. or 12:45 p.m. So pretty good times considering the World Cup we just had to go through where some games were starting at 3 o'clock in the morning. Shout out to all you people that got up for those. I was not one of them. But either way, here's the groups for Euro Under 21. So Group A is Georgia, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Georgia actually beat... And then Portugal, sorry. and Georgia beat Portugal in the first game in their capital city. I, I can't remember how to say it, so I'm not going to butcher it. I'm going to save myself the embarrassment. Belgium, Netherlands drew 1-1. A couple of good players... On those teams, go take a look. You'll you'll recognize some names, some from AC Milan, Bayern Munich, like big clubs. Group B, Spain, Romania, Ukraine, and Croatia. Spain beat Croatia, uh, sorry, Romania 3-0 in the first game, and then Ukraine beat Croatia 2-0 in their first game. Not uh, the the big names on Cro on Spain. There's a few. Sergio Gomez from Manchester City is playing for them. But We'll get to the England squad right away because that is a team I am fully aware of. Fully, fully aware of. And you'll probably know a ton of names too. So Group C is England, Germany, Israel, and Czechia. England beat Czechia today 2-0. Germany and Israel drew one each. Then Group D is France, Switzerland, Italy, and Norway. So France beat Italy 2-1. Switzerland beat Norway 2-1 as well. But if you look at the England team... I watched them today from the majority of the match against Czechia. Very, very exciting game. I think both teams were were very attacking-minded. Exciting football to watch, actually. And that's what I like the most about these championships is it's kind of just go, go, go. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun football players in this competition. And and it's fairly even too. Like I, for the most part. Teams all believe they can win. Like England very rarely do well in these competitions. And and looking at the squad this year, I think they'll they'll do well, especially in the group that they have. Like they should be fine. Like Germans have got some good players in there, of course. Um headlined by Mukoko, who plays for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, they also have Kevin Sh- Shade. I know I butchered that one, but he played for Brentford this season. He, he was good. I know he's a player. A lot of people have on there to watch list next season. But the England squad, so they beat, like I said, they beat Czech Republic, or Czechia, sorry, 2-0 today. Jacob Ramsey got a goal and, and Emil Smith-Rowe. So that tells you the kind of the caliber of players that England have at this tournament. 
So I'll read off a few that most people don't know. And then I got one player I would really like to take a, a dive into a little bit. So Levi Colwell, who was on loan at Brighton, but he's a Chelsea product. Uh, Charlie Cresswell is maybe another name people would know. He played for Leeds in the, in the Premier League this past season. Morgan Gibbs-White is on this team, someone who a lot of people wanted to be playing for England in their most recent call-ups. And I feel like this is probably a reason why he didn't play for England is to go and play in this competition. Makes sense, you know. Uh, Angel Gomez, former Manchester United Academy player. Oliver Skip, who obviously plays for Spurs. Smith Rowe, who said. Curtis Jones, who got a lot of playing time in the last couple of years at Liverpool. Uh, who else we got? Harvey Elliott, obviously took a, a bigger step at Liverpool this season too with the injuries they had. Opportunity opened up. Jacob Ramsey, I mentioned. Cole Palmer, who's coming around a little bit for City. I believe there's some speculation that he'll probably go on loan, which makes sense. And then the strikers, you got guys like Anthony Gordon on the team who obviously didn't have a very good season with Newcastle, but a lot of potential. But the one player I wanted to, to narrow in on today, and if you watched the match, you would have seen it, but James Trafford is... I'm telling you right now, James Trafford will be England's number one goalie one day. He is playing at the Manchester City Academy right now, but he was with Bolton Wanderers the last couple of years. So I'm very familiar with him and he's phenomenal. He comes up with massive saves all the time. He's pretty good with his feet, very athletic goalkeeper, very good shot stopper. He's all around just a very good product. Now, I've got a feeling we'll see him play here and there for City next season. If not, he'll be a very good championship club. That was something Bolton were all hoping to do was to kind of get promoted so maybe they could keep Trafford for one more season. But he's just too good. He's too good for League One. He's probably, like I said, a top, top. He's kind of like Dean Henderson in a way of like, he can go to a Premier League team and be very good for your Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Forest, those kind of teams right now. Eventually, he will grow and become City's number one goalie whenever Edison's done. And plus, he helps City with their homegrown thing too. And I just think he's amazing. Like, really go watch his game today against Czechia. Made a lot of good saves. Like, a lot of one-on-one saves too. And he's going to be a, a high-quality player. So, James Trafford is a, is my player to watch for England at this U21 Euros. I think you're going to be very excited as England supporters if you're an England supporter. Just a footballer sport in general to to see what this guy does i think he's world class i think he's going to be next next level and maybe i'm a little bit biased considering he played for bolton but at the end of the day like you got first-hand experience right here i've seen him on a tuesday night against uh, Accrington stanley i don't know i can't think of any teams that's on my head but he's very good so i would recommend checking out his highlights go watch the highlights from today of uh, england versus check-in honestly go watch the highlights from all these games like i said you can find all the games on uefa tv 10 a.m. starts or 12.45 starts mountain time, that is. So whichever way you fall, if you're, if you're in Canada or North America in general, like you got mountain time, Pacific, Atlantic, whatever. Like they're all very reasonable times. But moving away from the Euro 21, which I think I'm going to try and keep up to date with a little bit more on this show as it keeps going on. Maybe you'll see me do a little bit of 90th minute content outside of this show too. We'll see if you're lucky. If you're lucky, if this show gets to, I don't know, 50 views, that would be nice. We'll see. Either way, let's get into some transfer talk here. And it's funny, like I was writing all these notes down and it all just came back to Chelsea, which I, I feel like I talk about Chelsea a lot, but there's such an intriguing storyline because they're just doing everything wrong. 
uh, and maybe I'm wrong to say that, but it just feels like everything Chelsea does turns into a, a disaster. You get this new owner for obvious reasons, comes in, spends all this money. It's like, all right, this is good. Then he spends more money and he's like, okay, what are you doing? Like, how are you going to fill all these players in? Thomas Tuchel gets sacked. Then you get Graham Potter and he's like, okay, all right, Graham Potter buys more players. Now you got this huge squad, can't handle them. He's not up to the task, gets sacked. All right, who are we bringing as as a caretaker manager? Frank Lampard. Okay, well, he wins one game for the rest of the season, one or two, whatever it was. Disastrous. Now they're in the transfer market and they're literally selling their best players or some of their best players to rivals. Kai Havertz has gone to Arsenal. That's the one I want to discuss first. Uh, Mateo Kovacic is now at Manchester City. If Manchester City come knocking and say, hey, like we like this Croatian midfielder you've got, do you not think you should just put the phone down and be like, ah, you know what? We'll probably keep this guy. If City think he's good, you should probably think he's good too if you're Chelsea. And now there's a speculation that Mason Mount could be going to United, which I think is fantastic. The The quote I saw for Mason Mount, which I thought was a very good one, is he's not, f- not going to raise the ceiling of your club, but he's not going to drop the floor. I think that's pretty fair. Like, he's a very good football player. I like Mason Mount a lot. He just needs to give a little bit more. And I think Chelsea is it's just gone dry for him. Crazy how they're just giving up on him. If you look back at some of the players they've sold in the last little bit, it, it's kind of wild, to be honest. Like, Tammy Abraham's gone. Mason Mount is gone. Uh, Tamori's gone. Tariq Lafferty was a prospect for them as well. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, keep these guys around. See what they can become for your club. And, and no, it looks like Conor Gallagher maybe is out the door. Billy Gilmore is another one that is progressing to pretty well at Brighton. Maybe you want a little bit more from him too. Callum Hudson-Odoi is not panned out at all. It's just Chelsea had such a bright future with all these young British players and now they're all just gone and they're just back to the Chelsea ways of, of spending as much money as they can. And I just, I really wonder when clubs are going to get a grip and go out and try and find what Brentford and Brighton and and whoever else it may be are finding in these markets who are then selling these players for 50, 60 million. I just wonder if teams, I, I guess the, the argument would be why do teams need to do it when other teams are going to do it for them and they could be a little bit lazier about it. Saying that Chelsea did buy like some 16-year-old from Ecuador or Argentina or something, so we'll see what he does. But at least they're doing something, I guess. That's a positive. Either way, the first player I want to discuss quickly is is the Kai Havertz transfer to Arsenal. The fee is fairly high, $75 million, But then again, he's only 24, three years in the Premier League, of essentially playing out of his position. I think this could be a very, very good move for Arsenal. I might go as far as saying this might this for me might be the transfer of the summer i know we're fairly early into the process and there's still players to be sold like declan rice hasn't gone anywhere yet sounds like half the league is trying to bid for him at the moment but on Havertz, like i said he's 24 he scored some big goals in some big moments obviously the champions league when i believe he got the winner of the uh world club championship whatever that thing's called that's good He's just not a striker. And I think at Arsenal, they're just going to play him as that number eight. Someone who can kind of dart into the box a little bit, be a bit of a playmaker outside, but have that finish inside the box and the ability to distribute to a lot of players. Like that front three for Arsenal of, of you have your Saka, obviously Saka on one side, Martinelli on the other, 
Gabriel Jesus down the middle, maybe you have Eddie Nketiah, maybe Florian Balogun is still there too, who had a good goal for the USA the other night for against Canada. It's a lot of attack, and at Chelsea, he's really not had that, has he? Like, I know Chelsea have a lot of names that, are, that have come through there, like Sterling was disappointing, Timo Werner was disappointing, mostly the reason why Havertz had to play as the key striker. Uh, Mudrik has come in and done nothing, Pulisic has really done nothing. So this, to me... Havertz going to Arsenal feels like the best team he's been in since Bayer Leverkusen. Is that crazy to say? I know Chelsea won the Champions League, but he just didn't fit for him. And he was playing out of position. And I just think this deal for Arsenal is such a massive one and something that could really help them. It really helps him fill the hole of, of Granite Xhaka, right? Who can they now just cycle that through? Yes, it's a pricey, pricey deal to make, but for a 24-year-old midfielder, who has been playing striker and he's still managing to almost score 10 goals a season in the Premier League. Like he scored 20 goals as I think a 19 year old, 20 year old, something like that in the Bundesliga. It's a very difficult league as well. And I'm very excited by the prospect of, of what this could become for Arsenal. And boy, oh boy, if Arsenal can get Declan Rice, which it, it's hard to say people, it's, it looks like city have come in a little bit now as well and, and try to push to get Rice to, to Manchester, which is just an embarrassment of riches. Like Calvin Phillips must be thinking, what the heck is going on? Um, then I think that kind of ruins football, to be honest, a little bit. Like, not ruins football, but it's going to ruin the Premier League if, if City get Rice. I Apparently, Rice likes the idea of going to Arsenal a little bit more than City, and I hope he does. I hope I hope Arsenal can come next season and, and kind of put everyone to rest, saying that they've, they've been a one-season wonder and they're going to fall down to be fourth again. Like, I'm kind of amazed the amount of people that just assume Liverpool are just going to become this monster again and Chelsea. Like, how often do we see that? Like, teams kind of fall off. Like, Tottenham are going to fall off now. Brighton will be interesting, but I could go on for days about every team, to be honest. But for me, yes, the Kai Havertz transfer from Chelsea to Arsenal for, I believe it was £75. Could be the transfer of the summer. Maybe I'm crazy. Let me know. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Moving on to the other team that we kind of briefly spoke about is uh, Manchester City. So while they're trying to bring players in, obviously Declan Rice, uh, Kovacic, like we said, Gundogan is gone to Barcelona. And now that three of De Jong, Gundogan and and Pedri and Gavi, wherever you want to flow him in there and Frankie Cassie, that is going to be a dominant midfield for Barcelona. We'll see how they actually do in the Champions League next season though, because if you remember, I had them out of the Champions League. I, I predicted they would fall out and go into the Europa League, which is what happened. And a lot of people... A lot of people didn't agree, but look at me now, thriving. Also, did you see that thing the other day, which was, uh, I thought was quite interesting and good, I suppose, but uh, every team that Diego Maradona played for won a trophy this past season. So Napoli obviously ended their drought, Boca Juniors won the Argentinian League, uh, Sevilla won the Europa League, and Barcelona won their La Liga title as well, and Argentina obviously being the big one winning the World Cup. So just kind of the legend still looking down on everybody and uh, trying to help out his clubs and it it went in a very positive way. So there you go. Well, fun fact for you. Thank you, TikTok, for that one. Uh, But yes, (laughs) Manchester City, Gundogan is gone. Bernardo Silva looks to be going to the Saudi Arabian League, which I'll get into in a moment too. Kyle Walker is also speculated to be going. He He was linked with Sheffield United, which would be nuts i can never see that happening uh the reason kyle walker looks to be out the door at city is he's 33 he's definitely not losing his pace but i don't think they want to sign him to a new contract after and he has one year left so trying to find alternatives to him Bayern munich has been a, a, a club that's involved in the in the talks for for kyle walker as well if there's one team i would like to see him go to you can never go wrong with you Bayern Munich, can you? It seems like every time somebody goes there, they just seem to flourish into these and become ageless. Look at Thomas Muller forever, isn't it? So I think that'd be a good spot for him. I'd hate to see him leave the Premier League, but also you go into a massive club in Bayern Munich, so it wouldn't be too bad. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the transfer update for City, I suppose. Obviously linked with Declan Rice. Um, as I mentioned, Kovacic has come in, so that's helped them obviously there in the midfield. Calvin Phillips is going to be such an intriguing player for City next season. Like, what is he going to be? And I think he's he's obviously got a lot of stick this season for going to City and play, what was it? He played more minutes for England the other night than he did for City all season, which is one kind of crazy he gets called up for England, but also understandable considering the position that he plays and the limited players England having that position. So I'm okay with Phillips being in the England squad. Harry Maguire have an issue with. Um, but in City, it's okay. You got Rodri kind of in a way, but when are they going to rotate him in a little bit more? And I, I did a little experiment and it kind of works. It kind of works in a different way though. So I wanted to see how second year, how players do under a second year of Pep Guardiola. So there's all these things, how like City is such a complicated system to play in. Like there's just a lot of moving parts. And when you watch them, you can see it. So I went back and looked. Jack Grealish in his first season with City, 
26 games, three goals, three assists. Second season, 28 games, five goals, seven assists. So you're kind of seeing what's happening there. Leroy Sane, I went back, I kept going back. First year, two goal, two goals, five assists. Second year, 10 goals, 15 assists. Now that is a jump. And I didn't write down his games for some reason, but they were uh, they were right around the same as what Grealish was playing the year before when I said it just then. Uh, Mahrez, 27 games in his first season, seven goals, four assists. Second season, 33 games, 11 goals, nine assists. Now, I know all those players are wingers, and statistically they will look a little bit better, but... Nathan Aki is maybe an example of gradually getting more and more in the squad. I know he's a little bit younger than Phillips, but we'll see. Like, I th- I really think Calvin Phillips is a fantastic football player and, and obviously City didn't buy him to sit on the bench. The injuries have not helped him. I think Calvin Phillips will be the, the comeback player of the Premier League next season, if that's even an award. Someone who really turns heads again and gets back to the, the Calvin Phillips we all knew from the Euro 2020. And I mean, if you can have... Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips in the same team every week from an England perspective, that would be fantastic. The issue wouldn't be getting Declan Rice into your squad. It would be, is Calvin Phillips going to be playing every week? Injuries uh, really bothering this guy. I hope he gets it back together because he is, he's a player I've really enjoyed watching over the, over the years of Leeds getting in the Premier League. And even, even when they're in the championship and he was thriving then getting into the England squad and doing what he did at the Euros, he was one of their best players. Even at the World Cup, he was fantastic as well when he played. So it's kind of my stance on Phillips. I'm, I'm expecting a big season from him coming up. So we'll see. The One of the last things we'll touch on, and I'm not even really going to... I don't really know how to approach this because I was not expecting this. But we've obviously seen a lot of players go to the Saudi Arabian Premier League this season. Not just English Premier League players that kind of come in from all over a little bit. Like I know there was a, maybe an interplayer connected with them, some Turkish players, I believe, too. But for the most part, it's been England that has been ransacked a little bit by the Saudi Arabian teams. Kareem Benzema is gone, left Real Madrid, end of his career. And Golo Conte is also gone, too. And I know people are kind of like, oh, he can still play. It's like, yeah, but he was he had a pretty bad injury. I think it's the right thing for Conte to maybe get out the spotlight a little bit. They're both gone. Ruben Neves is gone. Edward Mende looks to be gone. Hakim Ziyech looks to be gone. Bernardo Silva, no team attached yet, but it sounds like a lot of teams from the, the Saudi Arabian Premier League are bidding for him. Koulibaly is another one too. We'll see what happens here. It's very, very interesting watching these play, these these transfers develop because I just wonder why. Like I know the money's involved in it too, but you look at a guy like Ruben Neves, it's like, Kate, you were the captain of Porto at 18. You then went to Wolves when they were in a championship. You stick through a fairly strong Wolves era. They obviously had a very good European campaign that one season, didn't they? For like 60 games or something crazy like that for the for that year. I can't remember what it was. But then you become a mid-table team. You're the best player for however long he's been there. He was he was their best player. And now, now you're going to the Saudi Arabian League. But there's also links to him going to Newcastle on loan. So I, I don't know how the Saudi Arabian League's scheduled. I don't know if there's a gap similar to what the MLS is, where you get guys like when Landon Donovan would come and play for Everton. I don't know. It's very interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I wonder how this is going to continue to develop. 
I don't think they'll get anyone kind of more in their prime than a Ruben Neves. Like, let's look at all the other names I listed. Benzema's done. Conte's done. Mende's done. Ziyech wanted to be at PSG. He should be at PSG. Uh, Koulibaly looks to be done. Bernardo Silva, obviously, I guess that's a name I miss. Like, him and Neves, like, I just wonder, like, how long are they going to be there for? Like, how long, how well is this project going to go? I think the MLS has worked because Americans have just, oh, the, the league was there, it was established. You had ambassadors like your, your Landon Donovans, for example. I guess I can't really think of anyone else to be honest. Maybe like Clint Dempsey, you know, kind of those guys. David Beckham obviously went. This feels like that, but those players were. Were different, obviously. Like Gerard came, Perlo came, Kaka, Lampard, um, tons of other guys as well. Those in there, Wayne Rooney, Tim Kale. That was like their big, like mid-level player that came. So that was kind of. I don't really have a lot to say about it because, quite frankly, I don't know what to say. It's very intriguing. It's something I'm gonna kind of monitor, especially with these English players going over there and and see what it is. But like, let me know. Are you gonna watch this league? Because I still really have no interest at all. I just because, like I said, so there's how many players are on this list? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Push Ronaldo, you have nine. Okay, you have nine players in the league that people know. I just can't see it really taking off until either Saudi Arabian players become more recognizable or they just basically load up their teams with everyone they can find to get a television deal somewhere, which. Maybe it's the way it's trending. I don't know. It's kind of, it's just an interesting thing, but there you go. That's kind of, that's kind of all I've got today, to be honest. I, uh, I really wanted to see how this Declan Rice thing was playing out. Felt like it might get a little bit more clarity as the, as the day went on, which we did. So next week we'll discuss where Declan Rice has gone. Oh, England played. England played over the weekend too. There was a lot of internationals. I actually really forgot about that. It was who they beat. They beat Malta 4-0, and then they beat North Macedonia 7-0 at Old Trafford. And it was... I know it's North Macedonia, and I don't want to take too much from this game considering the opponent, but it was quite exciting to see what England were doing with the ball going forward. It was very fluid. It felt very threatening every time they, they attacked I haven't seen England like that for a while. And again, take it with a grain of salt. They played North Macedonia, but if they can keep that up a little bit and be a little bit more free and more entertaining to watch, then I'm all in. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank is a is a coach now for England, going from Burton Albion to England. I'm not sure how that works, but either way, it is working. I'm very curious to see like what kind of influence he has on this team. And maybe that was it. Maybe we saw the influence he has on this team. So it's... Uh, it's a thrilling time to be an England fan. Kind of. 11 goals in two games. You can't really go wrong with that. Uh, what else can I have? Oh, Scotland beat Norway. I really should have researched this one before we, we went deep into it, but I'll pull it up on my phone quickly. So on the, the Scotland and Norway thing, Norway were winning. They took off Haaland and then they lost. And I believe it was the 86th minute he went off the pitch. Yes, there it was. Holland went off the pitch at the 84th minute. Scotland scored in the 87th and 89th to win. So now Norway sit third in their group after Georgia have had quite a good start to the to the qualifying. Going, they have one win, one draw, and one loss. Norway has four points with four games played. Georgia has three. Spain only has two games played 
but only three points. So there, I would imagine this definitely is going to even out a little bit. But is this going to be another tournament we don't see Erling Holland in? Which is crazy to think about. Like, you look at this Norwegian team. They've Odegaard, obviously, and Holland. They've got some other good players in there too, but it would be... It would be kind of sad. I really, really want to see Norway in the Euros just to see Holland there, to be honest. Is there any other results that can... Oh, Moldova beat Poland. I was watching this one with Waz at the office and Moldova, they said on the commentary, and I didn't look into this, but it's the first time they've scored more than one goal in a qualifying match in nine years. And they scored four goals against Poland. Only three of them counted and they all came in the second half. Like, what a historic, historic win for Moldova. They now sit in third in their group with five points. Who have they beat? Let's have a look. So they obviously got the win over Poland. They got a draw over Czechia and a draw over the Faroe Islands. Now, if they had just beat the Faroe Islands, that could have been something. We'll see. I don't think Moldova is going to qualify for the Euros. I mean, you look at the group. Czechia is top of the group. Albania is not a bad side. And then Poland, I, I would imagine when they have the second leg, uh, second half of the fixture, sorry, not second leg, in uh, Warsaw, then Poland will, will take it off there. Let's have a quick scan through before we go. Of the groups, Group A, topped by Scotland. Georgia's in second, Norway, and then Spain, and then Cyprus. Group B, France and Greece are the top two teams there, so they would they would qualify for the Euros. Ireland in third, the Netherlands in fourth, and Gibraltar is in fifth. So the reason Netherlands and like Spain, Croatia, and Italy would have played a little bit less is because they had the Nations League semifinals, which Spain beat Croatia in the final on penalties. So Spain are the Nations League winners, which kind of is what it is. It's a good little trophy. I think it's better than having friendlies all the time. To have a little bit into it. And Group C... England, four wins in four. Ukraine in second. Italy, North Macedonia, Malta. Group D, Turkey, Armenia, Croatia, Wales. Ew. Wales are done, people. Without Gareth Bale, Wales are not going to qualify for another major tournament for a long, long time. Not until they find another another Gareth Bale. Their squad is just not good enough, unfortunately. The, the, the World Cup was kind of the last hurdle for them, I think. Fantastic run, obviously, 2016 Euros was something historic for Welsh football to get back to, what did they do, three straight major tournaments or back-to-back Euros in their World Cup. It's, it's very impressive. So props to Wales, but I think your era is done. Uh, Group E, we spoke about Czechia, Albania, Moldova, Poland, Faroe Islands. Group F, Austria and Belgium are the top two teams there. Sweden in third, Estonia and then Azerbaijan. Group G, topped by Hungary and Serbia. Montenegro is the third team. You may remember them as Serbia Montenegro from the 2006 World Cup. They are no longer. They are two separate countries, Bulgaria and Lithuania. It's an interesting group, actually. Group H, Finland, Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan is in second in this group. Who have they played? They beat... uh, Oh, they beat Denmark. I'm, we're learning on the go here, people. They beat Denmark back in March. I do not remember that. Well, there you go. They came back from 3-0 down, 2-0 down. Beat Denmark, San Marino, and North and Ireland. So Denmark's in third in that group. Slovenia, fourth. Northern Ireland, fifth. San Marino, sixth. I hope you liked my Northern Irish accent there. 
Switzerland in first in Group I, followed by Romania. Israel third, Belarus fourth, Kosovo fifth, Andorra sixth. And then Group G to round it off is Portugal with four wins in four, Slovakia, Luxembourg, Bosnia, Iceland, and Liechtenstein. It's a good one to say. That's quite interesting. I have not looked through those groups yet, so uh, we'll see. We're still very early in the process, only four games played, but it would be fantastic if we got some new faces in the European Championships for this next competition in Germany, I believe. So I'll be excited. Let's keep watching that. It's done for the summer now. We'll see it back in the in the fall, I suppose. But that's it. We'll also be seeing me next Wednesday, maybe Thursday. We'll see what happens. But either way, thank you very much for listening. Always appreciate the support. Tell a friend. Leave a review. Do something. If you see this on Twitter, please retweet it. Leave a like on the YouTube video. But until then, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys on the flippity flop.